I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd. And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created The, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club, but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along. And share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank Thank you for reading with us. We We like reading with you. This week's book guest is Julia by Sandra Newman. What's it about? It's a retelling of George Orwell's 1984 from the perspective of, guess who? Julia. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, it's a retelling of George Orwell's 1984 from the perspective of, you guessed it, Julia. In this episode, we discuss artificial insemination, moustaches, institutions, rats, fear, third trimester transport and big brother's real name joining us this week is actor and writer daniel rigby daniel is a bafta winner he's been so many plays so much television he's an incredible incredible talented human and he has also written an amazing audiobook called isaac Steele and the forever man which is available on audible only trigger warning in this episode we do discuss violence Welcome, Daniel Rigby. Welcome, Daniel Rigby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you said that really quickly, like, I'd wanted to say that bit. No, I wanted us to both say it. Okay. Welcome, Welcome Daniel, Daniel Rigby. Rigby. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome, <creepy> your, guys. <laughs> Welcome your more amazing moustache. Yeah, thank you. It's for a job. It's for a job. It's coming off on Saturday. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, as soon as you're I not, finish. You're not keen? I'm not keen. I don't think anyone else is. <laughs> Are you? Are you, well, are you a method actor when you look in the mirror? Are you your character? Do I see somewhere else? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether it's related to work. Uh, it's um, no, definitely not method. It's just we, a moustache. Yeah, okay, we spoke to your very good friend, Mr. Wozniak, Mike oh, yeah. Wozniak, who sat there with his moustache. But he's yeah. just, but he's in he's in character. He's in character. He's a personality choice, isn't it? He's yeah. not. Although I have, se- have you seen him without it? I've seen him without it. Very I've strange. seen him without it. Yeah, no, for I a job, haven't. he had to take it off, and I I just oh. kept looking. And he had to go at me eventually. He said, you have to stop. You have to stop making a fuss about it. I, was I had like, a similar so reaction because my dad had a moustache for absolutely years. Uh, and then in about 92, he shaved it off. And um, it's one of those big memories from childhood of how much I cried. <gasps> and it was a similar reaction when Mike did, 
when Mike it was triggering that one. Yeah. Wozniak was triggering yeah it was oh. he looked really weird without it didn't he? he no he's a deeply handsome man yeah yeah but, but it, it just, just didn't look it's right. not right it to not like have that yeah. luxurious yeah. brush it looked like something was missing it just yeah that's what yeah, I kept a, thinking yeah like you've got to put your trousers on it was like yeah. that level of like yeah. something's not right yeah. His face trousers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He forgot to put his face trousers on. Anyway, he stuck with it. I'm trying to think yeah. how to segue from moustaches into George Orwell. He had a moustache. He had a terrible moustache. Well, that's moustache. what I was hoping. Mm. I not remember. Stalin. Stalin. There Big we brother. go. Lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, Lovely stuff. Yeah. Stalin. And that gets us on to this week's book. <laughs> Julia. <laughs> Bad moustache. <by> <laughs> Bad moustache. Bad moustache. Julia by Sandra Newman, which is, of course, of course, not of course, which is based on the character of Julia from 1984. So... Daniel Rigby, have you read 1984? I did ages ago. Yeah. Yeah. So school ages ago or? I think I was probably late teens, early 20s. Okay. That's the age, isn't it, when most people read it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, like, um, yeah. When did you guys read it? I have think you, late teens. Yeah. 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 Like maybe just left school and was like, oh yeah, George Orwell. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it at school. Yes. We, we compared it to Handmaid's Tale. Oh, mm. that's a very that for GCSE. Progressive school. Yeah. Oh. Progressive school. Yeah, that's like two modern texts. I think it was a teacher, probably didn't give a shit oh. <laughs> about scaring us, traumatizing yeah. us. So we compared and then I did read it again. I read it again in the two thousands and then I decided I was gonna read it at every decade of my life. So I have Whoa. listened to it. Oh. An audiobook. Mm. It's the first audiobook I've ever listened to, actually. I had terrible nightmares with yeah. the combination of 1984 and Julia. Yeah. This book is, I found it really stressful to read. I was trying to think about when I'd read the original because, I mean, I don't know, I, I didn't notice, and because a feminist retelling of mm. 1984, I thought, oh, right. I think it had just been a complete blind spot when I'd read it the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Obviously, yeah. I mean, I'm also a shit bloke, but... <laughs> like but, all great 20th century works, you're like, yeah. oh, there's no women in them, hang on a minute. But I do remember when I first, one of the first impressions was finding the Julia passages strange and a bit cliched and tonally mm. a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. And feeling like it was a bit thinner than the rest of the book somehow, yes. which is maybe testament to him not drawing the character as well. But, um, yeah, as as... Reading this, it was ju- yeah, it was just uh, very stressful. But also, I couldn't. There was a, I was a, a bit in awe of the achi- achievement. Yeah, because, I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so, to occupy another person's uh, creation so convincingly. I just thought it was absolutely amazing. I kept, a, that's why I had to keep going to the audiobook because I kept going. I don't think she's made that up. I think no, she's fleshing no. out. She's added another dimension onto something that was already this incredible classic. Mm. Yeah. And she's given you more. Yeah. And and never, ever, ever to the detriment of 1984, but making it better. Yeah. Making it more realistic, making it modern. Yeah. That did blow my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree. Oh. I knew from your face you disagreed. I was like, well, look, okay. It's a brilliant book. And I agree with you that there's like this whole other world. But then I start, I feel like the last third, it started to fall apart. The last third's weird. Well, yeah. And I don't know what, sh- I would love to and know what the author yes. was trying to do. And then. that for me, kind of, you know, when you know an ending to a book slightly ruins everything you've, and up until then, I felt very like, wow, this is like, this world is so real. And then because the last third was a bit thinner, I started thinking more about this. And I was like, is this, is this elevated fan fiction? Like, Where's the line between fan fiction and this? Because it's like, it's it's definitely well written. Maybe it's a spectrum. It's, yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, mm. maybe there doesn't have to be a line. It's not a problem for me. Even if it was fan fiction, it wouldn't be a problem. 
So I've got a question. Mm. Do you think this book could be enjoyed by itself by someone who mm, hadn't read that's interesting. or seen the film? Yeah, what do you think? My inclination is to say maybe it would be less enjoyable. I mean, mm. I think you'd still probably enjoy it because I, I, I think it's still rendered really effectively, mm. that world and the uh, oppression. So I think, not yeah. I, I think it would be less enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't mean it derogatory as fan fiction, but it is that thing of like, I think you kind of need to know 1984 to enjoy it on a certain level. I mm. think if you didn't, you are, because again, like she is feeding off an original work. Mm. And so when she does stuff, you're like, oh, that's cool. Because in the original, yeah. that does like, It's like when teachers um, know what Shakespeare is referencing when you go to see a play yeah, yeah. and they're like <laughs> very good yeah yeah <laughs> and they're the only people laughing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly yes there's, there's a lot of that in theatre people yeah. just they, they may as well just be shouting I understand <laughs> yes rather yeah. than laughing yeah. I also know that reference but there's a great amount of pleasure in that isn't there and feeling mm. clever and that's what there's, there are points in this book where Sandra Newman offers that to the reader There's a, the book came out recently called Wifedom by Anna Funder where she kind of which is very controversial, but she highlighted how much uh, George Orwell didn't really credit his wife, Eileen O'Shaughnessy, and how much she helped write it. And she actually wrote a poem when she was at school called 1984. There's lots of, you know, it's it's more nuanced than that. And I think we're having a bit of a moment with Orwell where we are like, okay, like what what's behind it? What's the context? Like we can now rewrite your stories. But I do think, oh, it's like we're back to our old argument, like what is art and art because I still think his works of art are so incredible. Mm. And he's such an mm. incredible writer that I would want mm. someone to find 1984 through this. Because yeah. I do think, and this as good as this, this is... This isn't a criticism, this isn't a critique of him. No, it's, no, no, not And that's all. why I thought whether Sandra Newman was commissioned to write it or not, what I could tell was how much fun they were having. Mm. Like how, how fun it is to take some, a world that's been created that's that incredibly drawn and then think, well, where... Didn't they have time to go? Where else is there? All that wasn't interesting. You, in a story, you don't tell everyone's story. Yeah. You 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 pick you pick a narrative. I love the fun of seeing Winston from her point of view. Yeah. Because I can't. Well, not that I'd I'd, I'd, I'd when I finished this, I wish I'd reread 1984 yeah, as well same. in preparation for this. But then I couldn't. I, I just have this picture in my head of the noble rebel yeah. protagonist from the original yeah, book. Yeah, so and cool. Then reading this and him being a slightly head up ass yeah. kind of. I know. Ineffectual figure. And in also how old she describes him. And yeah. he's only 39. <laughs> I thought he was like 60. How? But she's so much younger, isn't she's she? She's 26. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good bit that I loved about how she skewers Winston. That he is kind of like the bit where they try and have sex and she basically is like, oh, I've got to play him like this, have I? Because like yeah. he needs it to look like this. I was, I'm not going to get my pounding today, which is what I'm after. <laughs> I was like, I kind of loved that. I know there were some there were some lines that I enjoyed so much because I just I actually (laughs) the idea of George Orwell for instance writing a line like uh, but far too soon he groaned intense she wants to cry out not yet but his body trembled and went weak a moment later he rolled off her and there was that cheated feeling of a prick sliding out (laughs) (laughs) I was just like yeah, Sandra Newman has knowledge. Yeah, yeah. George yeah. didn't have. No. And 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 wasn't trying to. He George hasn't no. failed to write the body properly. Yeah. No. That's not what he was trying to do. And Sandra Newman is. And yeah. um and Sandra Newman is just such an amazing writer. Also to write something in a world that I mean, because the world that Orwell created has entered the lexicon yeah, in yeah. so many ways. It's culturally, it's such a a milestone yeah it couldn't it, be bigger could it couldn't be bigger no. so like to do that and to 
yeah, to do it so well. I think it's kind of amazing in that way. I have to say the first two thirds, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. How nice to experience this world like a add-on to a video game. It was like, oh my God, we can follow Julia's character instead mm. of Winston's character. Like, well, it's that's amazing. Prequel. Yes, that's true. That we meet Julia before Winston has a relationship with Julia, which we know happens and we know from 1984 perspective, we get to see Julia at work. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. We get menstrual clots on a bathroom floor. <laughs> Yeah. Which we don't get in the original. The female part of this story. And because Winston, as George Orwell wrote him, is uh, sort of very uptight, with Julia we suddenly have this really emotional mm. drama queen yeah, <laughs> yeah. experiencing the same world. And that's what I loved. It's like Sandra Newman obeyed all of the rules set up by George Orwell but so we, we, I was in the mind of a human being responding to them completely differently. The yeah, beginning of true. 1984 is so much like logistics of this is what the new speak dictionary mm. is and this is what we do every year and this is how we change it and here's a furnace we put things that used to be written in mm. and we're inside Julia's life where she doesn't care about those things and the author doesn't have to tell us all of them because as you know there's a pre-book yeah. that people can go back to. I agree with you but I guess all I'm saying is like Orwell is really interested in how you break a man and how an institution does that. Newman is interested in how we feel about those institutions. And then when she has to write and describe those institutions, I feel like she struggled in the way that Orwell is a product mm. of those institutions, of horrible boarding oh. schools of the BBC. And I feel like Newman could not give Sandra, up to his Sandra hatred. is much less interested in, in institutions. Yes. But, but what she's interested which in is, is survival. In, yes. But it's a yeah. it's based on nineteen eighty four, which is about institutions. So that's when I like that end the last third I was like, you kind of need to give me more than like, oh, room one oh one, people it's busy and the fifty minutes. Mm. I was like, I I don't feel like how I felt with nineteen eighty four when I felt sickened yeah. at humanity. Mm. I feel like it's quite hard to run an institution. <laughs> it's quite difficult. Yeah. Which and when she leaves love as well, you know, when when Winston leaves the Ministry of Love, like I said, you feel like he's he's gone he's not there whereas I felt like she survived it and she's not walking on all fours she kind of looks okay but people don't like her but if she shows them the scars then they're more you know like the breaking of Winston is proving to him that there was no part of his mind that is his yeah. from the party and he will do the worst thing which is the person he thinks he loves yeah. <laughs> whereas Julia has already done all of those things so she can't be broken by, because she's already sent people to their deaths. She's already ensnared people for her survival. I think it would have been a lazier or less effective shot to have her in room one on one going, oh, do it to Winston. Oh, no, now I'm broken. Oh, no, I would never She's say already that. done it to but, Winston. But, but you didn't get a sense that she was broken by this, the worst thing possible. I think she love. was broken much earlier in her yeah, life. Okay. And so all of these things that she's been doing were as a broken person. Mm. All of it, ever since she was a teenager, has been survival and using, and that's what I found so interesting, sex as survival, yeah, transactional yeah. sex. And that's the thing that I loved about this book is, you know, this is 1984, but with masturbation yeah. and men who can't get it up the first time. and Oh, and abortions and yeah. periods. and yeah, Sex in the grass with your legs open, like yeah. all of these things, like the visceralness of that. That's what then made, so the reality of the... I guess what would you say? Like the corpor the, the body the body mm. was actually there. So I didn't miss the institution. I was being told a story that was much more physical. You you couldn't have both things. 
But I know, I totally know what you're saying, but then it's interesting to choose a book like 1984, which is about institutions. I know, but, <laughs> like, but point I think it. that's the thing. If you're, if you're doing a, adding, adding, if you're adding a dimension to something that already exists, you don't need to do that exact book because that's already there. Yeah. I did wonder reading it, and it might be a shit man thing to say, but whether there's um, the fact that, like you're talking about the body being so in it and the fact that the book is such an exercise in correction, it feels mm-hmm. like it's a corrective um it's putting things right that were missing or the or were blind spots of Orwell's in the original. But whether there's something that the assumption in the original is that women have uh, less sexual desire, so that's why they work in making pornography and mm. things that are just taken for granted and that this goes so far the other way in filling it with female desire. The book is full of that as a as a theme, which is a specific sort of task that the book has, it feels. Mm, well, it yeah. makes it narrower as a satire mm. uh yes i think that's what i'm trying to say that's that's well done that's exactly what I'm i trying loved to say. That. i loved that i loved i loved the pornography in this i loved her describing to winston the porn oh yeah the te- oh, my, my telly screen tele- 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 <laughs> and then really another funny. character when o'brien inv- says my telly screen is broken you need to come over and she's like this is the plot of the yeah. porno <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was really funny really funny there were some funny bits in it but no I, th- I completely agree with you it's and I think we're all saying the same thing you're saying like it filled this huge gap and that's brilliant and 1984 exists so that's great yeah, I, I but then I, it slightly it, narrows it because it's it's focusing on feminine desire and women in and this I, world and actually I didn't read it as a corrective I mean look I, I'm very happy for uh, authors to have blind spots. No one is perfect. Everyone is a product of their environment, their time, their own biases, their own bigotry. You know, mm. you're looking at the story in a different way, and I feel like that's what Sandra Noon was doing to expand that world, to take on Orwell. You know, who is considered one of the like greatest writers of the 20th century, and to keep up with him, mm. and then to slightly cop out at the end yeah. is how I felt yeah. of like not giving her what we get with Win- and that's one of the things about 1984 it ends and you're like fuck how could he end it like that mm. oh god mm. and then you're like wow that's an amazing writer and I feel like they didn't they didn't go that go that bleak while they, yeah. they saved her and I get what you're saying about Julia's different character to Winston but I like the end just became so far-fetched yes hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The really shocking thing is that scene, and in both books where he notices she's attractive and wants to rape and murder her. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And I... (laughs) I thought Sandra Newman was making that up. 
like oh no rejecting. I remember that from 1984 so clearly and, and that was the that was when I went okay I need to go back and find out what George Orwell was saying that Sandra Newman is reflecting on I was like oh same thing mm. yeah definitely didn't flag that no <laughs> when I first no. read it I've ne- or, or never yeah. before just like yeah that's what men think when they but look the at book, nice young d- the women. book didn't flag it the no. book doesn't say this is wrong no ro- this is wrong think so, <laughs> <laughs> but it but and also yeah. it's nothing to do with because the because because the original obviously it's a political critique and, mm. and the reason that he wants to kill her isn't anything to do with politics because he can't have sex with her yeah well because sex is bad and so wanting sex is very frustrating to just kill the thing yeah <laughs> that makes you think about it yeah yeah but i agree with the the, the last the last part of the book i yeah. I, I stopped i stopped i stopped finding it believable as yeah. i stopped following it I, it was such a way. shame because the first two thirds i was like totally like fuck i was so worried and it, about and it could have ended yeah. at the chestnut cafe yeah so the chestnut cafe mm. is the ending of the original 1984 and while we now have julia there not winston i have problem with i have problem with chestnut cafe as well all right then shall i get into it <laughs> yeah because so Okay, people will know, I think this isn't spoiler, they know the famous Room 101 scene where Winston gets a rat cage on his head and yeah. he says, do it to Julia. And it's, his, mm. and it's his biggest ever fear. Yeah, The whole way through the book, we have got to know Winston. We know it's his most terrifying thing. Yeah. That's how it works with Room 101. And it's very mm. real. Yeah. Like in 1984, you're very like, it's not like, oh, I'm a bit scared of rats. Oh no, it's like, absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying and when... You know the rats come in. You're like, oh no! Like, mm-hmm. and I. That's for me when this when when she goes into the Ministry of Love. That for me is where it slightly fell apart because I feel like this is interesting. Isn't it? Like Orwell, like you said, makes doesn't quite capture Julia, but he captures institutions that are mental and uh, bu- bureaucratic. And obviously, he worked for the BBC during the war, and he, yeah. that was part of his job was to. Um, Put rat cages on. Put rat cages on head. <laughs> it, was a, and it was a game show. They did. They used to talk they about Paddy McGuinness took it over, yeah. didn't they? And, um, and they cancelled it after one season, which was a real shame. Paddy was really getting to his drive. Yeah. So I think all rat get- office. Rat <laughs> office. Do it to Julia. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. Um, nine women lined up. And you have to choose which one will get the rat on their face. <laughs> and they have to ask questions to find out which one's most suitable. No? Okay. So I feel like Orwell gets the institutions really well. And then I felt that's when they, Newman, slightly fell... Okay. The, let me finish. Let me finish. It's really hard. I, I know, know. I know. I've been listening. At the so hurdle, hard to listen, Daniel. Because, I know, I know. Because Ministry of Love, I felt like when she got in there, I didn't feel like we got a sense of what her fear actually was. Someone says it's her vanity, which even in herself, she's like, mm, is it my vanity? Mm. And like, I felt like she missed a trick because how Julia deals with the rat sink sequence is incredible yeah. and badass and I was yeah. like wow but I didn't feel it wasn't her fear and it made mm. room 101 not feel that scary yeah. and she's helped dealt with the admin like I felt like she made it less scary and made it less like less torturous which in, in 1984 you're so afraid for mm. Winston I thought it was all <laughs> done intentionally so she was at this writing point, it badly no not badly okay. she was deconstructing it because the thing that kept bothering me in this version of it was the admin behind yeah, the authoritarianness the was like, so George Orwell we just take it as read this is it especially off the back of Russia Stalin Nazi Germany it does make it, it more scary of course and they yeah. were organised you know what they were organised credit where it's due not complimenting them not complimenting them (laughs) but what I loved about this was that from the beginning I kept thinking 
There's more people working for Big Brother mm. than who aren't working for Big Brother. The actual the admin of it I was like, no one's disorganized. Even evil people aren't disorganized. But that's why then it starts being so real. I know. But then the idea that I loved was that in Room 101, it's booked up, so everyone's got 15 minute slots. I loved that bit. The logistics. Yeah, so it that felt, made it, it so it, less scary no, for me. It was supposed to be less scary because it's supposed to show you human beings are still doing this. I've, Even though it's your fear, I found it more scary because it's sort of that the banality of evil. Yeah, when, when, that, yeah. when whoever it is comes in and says Albert needs the room in fifteen yes. minutes or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, you're like, wow, and, that and, is. And the idea of just out talking them that you don't have to have to be a sort of kung fu genius. But I know what you mean. But it, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can just all you, do you have know to what do I is wanted. Eke out I wanted minutes. when he said do it to Julia. I felt like a more horrific regime. This is my imagination. <laughs> would not put the rats in. Would get an actress to play her mum and come in and say you killed me. And I was like, I felt like there was death of Julio that we didn't get to experience which you do with Winston and you see him broken I felt like we didn't get her broken yeah. I wanted her broken <laughs> the third dimension when um, you say third dimension you mean the end third no oh right yeah okay. I mean three dimensional oh right <laughs> I thought you were talking about the end Th- third and calling it the third dimension and I was like that's <laughs> no, confusing no three dimensional as in so it's 2D but Sandra Newman adds another third dimension. That's what I'm yeah. saying. The kicking of the hand. Uh, she yeah. goes to the Mrs. Melton, is it? Yeah. Mrs. Melton, all like, the black market lady. Yeah. And she says, you know, and they're all these women and they're crying and they're saying, you know, there was a bomb and, and a woman's three-year-old was killed. Oh, yeah. And then this man from the party was walking around and the hand was there of the three-year-old and he just kicked it. Yeah. Saying, like, what kind of person could do that? And then Julia is told by another character later on that it was Winston that did it and she doesn't believe it and then she asks him and he and it was and she was like why did you do it and he's yeah. like oh it's in the way <laughs> and so it sort of shows how if you're around violence all the time you just com- completely desensitize human, yeah, desensitize humans lives have no value but the first thing Sandra Newman makes us do is empathize mm-hmm. so the kicking of the hand is one sentence in the original 1984 when Mrs. Walker yeah, yeah. and he kicks her hand, this little hand and Sandra Newman builds a whole backstory of who that hand belongs to, how the proles react to someone from mm, the party, the party walking along the street and kicking a living person's, you know, mm. a person who was a moment ago living, just kicking their hand out of the way, like they're rubbish. And Julia hears that story about a, you know, a faceless person, and then discovers it's not only the person that she knows; it's the person that she has these feelings for, whether we call it lust. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you know, just sexual interest or whether she's, you know, c- cares about him. But he did do that thing. Sandra Newman fleshes that whole thing out. Ooh, the fleshes. <laughs> yeah, ugh, exactly. So, so it makes it so much worse than one sentence in a book, which is just like, 1984, George Orwell doesn't want the reader to really think about who that hand belongs to. Oh, no, it's the all about Winston. tragedy. Yeah, I think but he... also the tragedy is happening in a, a really sort of faceless way, whereas Julia made it realer for me. Mm. I thought Julia became mad. And that's... And yeah, I, that's true. I, I, I didn't believe... I didn't know if she was pregnant or not. I, I, I wondered about that as well after yeah. the Ministry of Love. Because it's so how much time. How, actually, yeah. yeah, and... She's had a pregnancy that's lasted months, like as in, and it, she's having she electric shocks as well. And they're mm. saying I mean, it's kicked fine. in the stomach. And sorry, this is really yeah. horrible for anyone listening. 
there, there were some really gruesome things that happened in this book, just like in the original. Well, while we're on the pregnancy. Yeah, this is a bit I don't want to talk about. Oh, no, not oh, that. The oh. bit where she gets on a bike and cycles through London in her third trimester on the back of a motorbike with someone. I was like, you can't physically get on a motorbike when you're third trimester. You can't hold someone. And then she walks for miles this and miles. This is what I mean about madness. Yeah. But then everyone keeps telling her she's pregnant. But, I mean, mad people hear all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm. I mean, going to meet Big Brother, all of these things felt like delusions. Well, that would make sense of how I, how I struggled with the yeah. believability at the end. The Big Brother meeting and all that. I thought, that was wow. but no, no, nothing, really. made, nothing made geographical sense. Nothing made story sense. It was, it was thematic, so easy to get there. Thematically, yeah, she just appeared at places and had scenes with characters from oh, her I previous that's, life. That's why the ending is not as strong as the other bits. Well, mm. I, I don't think I that's think, a madness. I, I think, think, I think oh, Newman yeah. is trying to make a bigger point about the other regime. But I couldn't quite work out... Well, do you think that's what it was? The point was, they're just as bad. Yeah, because that ending... Rebelling. The ending, the, think, which yeah. you know is very much like that ending. I was like, oh, God. it was a bit like, see, we're all bad. And I was like, oh, Newman. Like, but also I, that point, I enjoyed it so much. But I that felt, point is also made... I mean, that's what 1984 ends with. Yeah, yeah. But 1984 ends with him loving Big Brother. And that's where you go, oh, he's... We know he's he's, he's, lost it. He's he's listening to the radio. What he does still have is a hope that we've lost Africa, that there's going to be this war in the Congo. Mm. It's actually... I mean, he does has has this inkling of rebellion still. It just won't be him. Oh, do you think? I think the inkling is that he's completely broken and he loves Big Brother and he can't... He's lost that ability to... He's, he's fighting things. There's, there's, like, he has these sort of odd smells and memories and, and he's sort of intentionally fighting it off. Because I feel like he loves Big Brother at the end and that's how you know a man has been broken and always yeah. showing you, you can break a man. This is how you do it. And I felt like Julia at the end, I felt like they loved the character of Julia so much they weren't willing to break her. You say it's interesting you say it was modern because I was like, he, obviously Orwell's writing about 1948 and you know post-war England and then I found slightly that I found slightly that she wasn't writing about now but she was trying to capture post-war oh, no, England she, that's, that's why I really liked it and uh, sorry Sandra Newman is non-binary and also most readers wouldn't know that yeah it's only because of the furore about the men uh, that okay. I know that which was Sandra Newman's last book Sandra Newman I think is still writing about the 1950s the modernity is the sex and the bodily oh, functions yeah yeah and, and it's, so it's writing for a modern reader but it's not trying to pretend it happened. It wasn't trying to move it up and go, oh, Margaret Thatcher. No, no, but I slightly yeah. felt, you know, when um, oh, I just, there was moments. Brexit's not in there. <laughs> <laughs> there was moments with the news speak or the way that people spoke post-war that I felt a bit like I didn't quite believe in the way that Orwell, obviously, you utterly believe that world. There was a bit like when she was sort of writing prose and stuff, I was like, oh, it feels a bit like like somebody kind of aping that world rather than, the Orwellian take on it, but very slightly. And again, my complaint is but also. Very I slight. think that's an, it might be an American thing. Yeah, maybe writing English. People. Yeah, there was occasional things. Where I was like, this doesn't sound like people. <laughs> I, I swear, it's. I think it's an American English mm. thing. Maybe or airstrip one. Airstrip one. Airstrip one. Come on, airstrip let's one. get it all right. How do you think you're doing, airstrip one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is my worst nightmare. I'm the person who takes the pills straight off the bat. Straight right. away. Straight off the bat. Give me twenty. Give me 20. Go down the river, look yeah. at, watch the thrushes singing. See you later, guys. I cannot handle this. I can't handle the loneliness, the not the trust. I don't want to sleep in a bunk bed. Mm. I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bunk bed. I don't have to wear uh, uh, overalls. No. I, I hate all of it, Daniel. It's yeah. really scary. The bunk beds, most of all, are yeah. the biggest. And you'd have to. 
You have to. Mandatory bunk beds. Yeah. Mm. Um, how would you fare in Airstrip 1, Daniel Rigby? I think I'd do pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> you're an actor. You're an actor. You can fake it. You'll yeah. be like, I hate it. I hate it. B, yeah. B, B, B. Yeah, I'd have one of those big flats. Be bringing people in. <laughs> <laughs> Real nice wine. Real wine. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be O'Brien is what you're saying. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, I think I've got, I think I'd like to think in my head, rebel guy, um, very successful rebel guy. Mm. But actually, uh, I think in reality I would be like, here are the names. Can I, <laughs> can I please have some chocolate? Yeah. Please can I have loads yeah. of chocolate? Yeah. Four of them but, I'm related to, I'll give you the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my mum, my brothers. Please, yeah. at least four squares of chocolate. <laughs> please. Um, a whole bar. It's it, the, the whole Goldstein night is odd when you know Brett Goldstein because <laughs> it does feel like everyone's just like Goldstein yeah. all the time but I actually thought, then thought in terms of the movie of this Brett Goldstein would make a really good big brother Ooh, when, yeah. when, mm. when he'd Julie, have to grow a moustache a young, a young handsome one yeah, yeah. So when Julia's describing that sort of like perfect you know handsome masculinity but with, with muscles yeah yeah <laughs> muscles I don't know why you had a moustache to Brett Goldstein what happens well, he's, really, he's already got quite a lot of too much hair yeah, it's just eyes peeping out of a hairy face <laughs> <laughs> it might be too much it might be yeah. too much with a moustache yeah I don't know how I'd fare in those not well not well I think I think I'd be alright with the dormitory bunk beds hiking I, I think I'll tell you where you'd come up right? yeah someone have had something her- terrible happen to them and everyone's supposed to just avoid them you know oh yeah and you'd be straight over like yeah, yeah okay yeah I wouldn't mm. be able to do that you'd be straight away like when they're just like yeah. when she comes back I'll make like, a bed for you she's like where's Mickey's bed? bed and they're like who are you talking about yeah <laughs> I was like that is that is hard to just be like oh I don't well, that woman who was here yeah, 20 sh- minutes ago yeah shut up there's yeah. something so authentic about how I mean, it's in the original as well as this, but how people's thinking gets changed mm. by just some an outside influence mm. insisting. Huge, because that is what 1984 is trying to show you, the power of rewriting over your own memory and that makes something true. Mm. And that is what this book does as well. Yeah. Have you ever read The City in the City? No. Which is China Mieville. Oh, no. Um, and it's a sort of sci-fi book, really, but um, it's like a noirish um, sci-fi world where it's two cities that are in the same geographical spot Ooh. and um, it's illegal to acknowledge or oh, see oh, the, the other, other city. city. Wow. And um, it starts as a murder mystery where, where the, I think the investigator has to then cooperate with the invisible city. Invisible. But yes. you, but it's it's so brilliantly written because wow. it's just the, the murk of people's, people have become convinced that they cannot see mm. everything that is around them. It's it's a real. But it's it's but got shades if, of this. If it's dangerous to admit something, yeah, you would work so hard to disappear it. Yeah, in the way that people's memories don't work with traumatic events, where your brain goes, I can't, I can't go to the shop and ask about how much sausages are, while also acknowledging this. So goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> I just read a Hilary Mantel. I'm reading her Mantel pieces, which I think is the most Edinburgh show title for an author. <laughs> is that really what it's, it's called? called Mantel pieces, and it's like her sort of journalism. And I, I was like, Hillary, five o'clock at the Pleasance, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> second to the twenty-first. Um, yeah, that, really, that reminds me of I really wanted to do a show called Fridge Magnet and have a picture with just me with my arms around some fridges. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to do it. <laughs> and that is Edinburgh's loss. Edinburgh's loss. That would have been amazing. It was just that. It was just. A, Did that you have anything else? You just it. had the that was poster. It. I had the poster. 
plenty of other people built shows on 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 lens. On posters, yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's Mantel called pieces. Mantel pieces. You would expect you could more. do a fridge advert then. Mm. You can advert for fridges. It's a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was writing about. Um, it's a really old piece from like the nineties uh, about living in Saudi Arabia, which she she did for a time, and about the power of words when they were living in kind of a sort of censorship, and she was writing about how the word pork is being censored mm. so like when people are bringing in books to Saudi Arabia like so recipes and just like he just mentioned a bit and she starts you know saying exactly what you're saying like where does it where do we get to when you don't even have a sense like pork doesn't mean anything to you so it does become like it's not even like oh I don't eat it it's like I don't know what you're talking about like how can you that's so important to the people in Saudi at that time of that of that particular brand of Islam that they they felt so strongly that it was so awful to even hear it mm. and again that's what you know why this book still hits isn't it why 1984 still hits is we're not like we're living in a time where everybody um, can say what they want and do what they a want a few years ago probably no, over 10 but um it's when I first started comedy and I was working in um it's a Christmas grotto but they didn't want to have anything to do with Christmas because it's a multicultural area and they didn't like the idea of some children not being able to say yes to the presents so they had Cinderella, fairy godmother and prince going around giving presents. But they also had Christmas music playing where they scrambled the word Christmas. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> right, so it's obviously they'd had a meeting and they thought... I wish you know, it could be... Every day. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> last, I gave you my heart. Oh, my and that's what, that's what they did. Like, it was a swear word on Radio 1. Very dangerous to your mental health working there. Because <laughs> I remember working in Pizza Hut and hearing torn by Natalie and Brulia about a million times a day and that being mm. enough but if the word torn was scrambled <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't imagine what it would do to yeah. the psyche do you think this stuff helps anyone <laughs> no. But that's a big question. Are you from yeah. Big Brother? Have you come to make us question ourselves? No, talking it's about the my book. Because I was thinking about, I, I, I don't know how it relates to, I mean, does because the, there's lots of dystopian fiction, and quite often mm. dystopian fiction reflects fears yeah. that we have presently about our society, mm. about our politics. And I just. <laughs> Because 1984 yeah. was written in yeah, 48, that's, 49. Yeah. That's sort of what I meant, that she doesn't go for some slightly more modern point, that she is mm. living in that bit, which is like when he wrote it was groundbreaking and life-changing and, you know. But did his book help anyone? Oh, that's a big essay question. But, well, I, just, I, just, I, know, I guess it's just, I mean, maybe not I, even I, an I don't answerable think, question. It, might, yeah. it might not be help, help. as yeah, in maybe. like, oh, your life is better or you can better adjust. But in terms of like all human beings having this journey, which is sort of understanding humanity, including the really awful things that human beings do to each other. Mm. After the Second World War, the whole of psychology was, is evil innate? Why do people obey things they know are bad? How are individuals mm. programmed to do things that as even children know are wrong? And so the literature, the art was asking those same things, wasn't it? And yeah. so George Orwell showed us in Winston how hard it is to have any self under mm. a regime that doesn't value you where you don't have you know food safety and how your own fear eventually can be manipulated by showing all those things i don't think he was making people go oh, okay that's all right then mm. that kind of help this book for me was showing how a woman the character of julia all she had was sex that's her only resource and she has to use it to you know number one to feel alive 
because she enjoys it, but also to manipulate people for her own safety. And that, to me, felt exactly like a polar opposite of Winston, mm. who doesn't have sex in that way. And that is the character of Julia that Orwell originally wrote. Mm. The whole point was she represented sensual humanity and she was much more of a rebel than Winston was. Yeah. I watched um, Beyond Utopia documentary while I was reading this. Mm. And it's about North Korea and North oh, Korean God, defectors. Okay. And you realise that we have an Oceania yeah. on yes. Earth at the yeah. moment. But the fascinating thing about the documentary is it's a study of several different groups of defectors trying to leave the country and escape, which is incredibly dangerous, oh, obviously. Yeah. There's one particular thread which follows a family and there are three generations. It's an 80-year-old grandma, the parents and the children. They have to escape through Laos and Vietnam and they're helped by a priest in South Korea. But they they are filming stuff on their phones. It's just it's wow. yeah. so terrifying and tense. But the stories yeah. that they tell from inside of North Korea are... I mean, mm. the, on on a par with this. Yes, yeah. Um, but the eight-year-old grandma, as she's going through the jungle and talking, and uh, uh, is being interviewed at one point by one of the producers, um, is still rationalising. She's fleeing for her life from this regime that she's lived in since she was born mm. and is still calling Kim Jong-un a great man mm. and is saying it's ju- the mental gymnastics that she's doing as yeah. she's fleeing through the jungle to justify her own existence. It's so powerful as a study of psychology yeah. and what that kind of regime can do to a human being that you're you're so oppressed, you're literally running with yeah. your family with the possibility of death and you're still going, I think he's a great man. I think it's just we've taken a wrong turn. And yeah. It's the Americans' yeah. fault. The American bastards, because they don't have a word for Americans. It's American bastards. It's American bastards <laughs> yeah. is literally the word. Oh, my American God, that's Americans. incredible. Wow, oh, it's yeah. so incredible. It's like, um, it's, it reminds me of those early, you know, the, the scientists who didn't want to let go of God, even though mm. they also had proof of evolution. Yeah. So, you know, both both things yeah. are true at once. Like, I'm doing this. This is this is even more majestic what God's done. Yeah. And for that, like, if it can highlight and remind you that, yeah, we're not exactly living in a free society and also be an interesting piece of literature and a gripping piece of literature, it is helping. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah I, I feel like I've been harsh now. Because you're right, it is an incredible achievement. What what you had was that ending. doing things is hard. Carry it out. is hard. You, you had that emotional reaction of something. I just wanted to say to Sandra, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's happening now? Well, she's nine months pregnant. She's getting on a motorbike, no, holding she, on to the man. Mm, she thinks she's pregnant. But that is a cop out. No way." Did you have a last line you wanted to land on or have you already read yours? I wanted to just read the final third of the book <laughs> out loud for everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> I really liked the... Newman. Um, I really liked Big Brother's real name. That's what I'll say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. That was funny. Um, it's too much of a spoiler to say. Yeah, let's, yeah. Just, let's leave that for re- readers to find. I just really... I just... I, I had that moment having not read tonight's everyone of like, does he... Is that from Orwell? Like, does he call him that? Like, it's so undignified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was particularly brilliant. Um, the last line uh, rang a bell for me, and I—I mean, I say the last. I probably shouldn't say the last line. Yeah, uh, yes. that's all right. Yeah, yeah. She says, "Yes, I will." Yes, and I looked it up, and um, it rang a bell because when I was at drama school, we we did we staged Ulysses not the oh, whole thing yeah. we didn't stage the whole thing but in an attempt to make the unreadable Rada unwatchable did, did Ulysses we did we did like, it's an excellent school we did we did one chapter of Ulysses so read Ulysses 
and it's from it's actually the last line of Ulysses. Um, oh. And and the last the last chapter of Ulysses is um, is called Penelope, and the narrators have been Leopold Bloom, Stephen Dedalus, yeah. and then the very last chapter is Molly Bloom, which I think is just a sort of literary oh. nod from her. Oh, that is. But good. I also wonder about that last third, and if that's Ulysses. <laughs> Oh yeah, maybe. Oh, I think Sandra that's Newman's all right. It doesn't no, make no, much I sense. No, right. I think that that I I swear Sandra Newman's a genius, and I think maybe this is something we will find out that that there's you're more, right. That, no, there's that some you're right. No, there's that some Ulysses. They're a genius, and you agree with them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me to talk thank to us. You, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. My novel Weirdo and Cariad's book, You Are Not Alone, are both available now. And we have a live Weirdos Book Club recording at the Chortle Book Festival. We do. It's at the British Library on Sunday, the 3rd of March. That's the British Library in London. It's a very beautiful venue and we've got a very beautiful guest. What a what a guy. Tim Key. Tim Key. Talking about his brilliant new book of poetry, Chapters. If you would like to buy tickets to that, and of course you do, head to plosive.co.uk or ctickets.com. I've also got a live event at the Southbank Centre coming up in May. Check out our Instagram at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. Thank, Thank you, you for reading, reading with us. We, we like, like reading, reading with, with you. you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.